the religious environment that Jesus lived in was quite complex and it didn't always regard all people as equals, but Jesus was masterful at making things simple and applicable to all. And we see another example of this today in our gospel where, where Jesus pretty much sums up the whole Christian life in two words. Did you pick up the two words? I'll give you a clue. They're on the front of your bulletin. <laughs> Follow me. Follow me. Did you notice that he didn't say, listen to me? Or he didn't say, follow my teaching. He said, follow me. See, Christianity is not a set of principles. It's not a teaching. It's a relationship. It's not just about following a good teacher, one good teacher among many other good teachers, but it's about giving our lives over to the one who we call Lord. Right, The one who we believe created us and knows us intimately and has a plan for our lives. Now, there is, of course, a law that God has given us to follow. There are ethical and moral principles that apply to all of God's people. But there is also a personal way that Christ invites each one of us to follow him. And it will look different at different times and different seasons of our life. Jesus said that the spirit of truth will come, the Holy Spirit, and he will take you by the hand and guide you in all the truth that there is. Through the spirit, uh, Christ is constantly at work in our hearts. He's constantly prompting us to love particular people in particular ways and to make a, a particular contribution at a particular time. The only way that we can discover what that is, is by engaging in our relationship with him. And we hear the psalmist talking about that today. He says, I keep the Lord ever in my sight. Even at night, he directs my heart. Even when I'm sleeping, he's leading me. And so my heart rejoices. My soul is glad, he says. There's a unique gladness that comes from embracing the personal mission that God puts on our heart whether that be a big life mission or, or perhaps just a, a particular mission for that day. Maybe God's putting on your heart, I want you to love that particular person today. I want you to pray for that person today. It all matters. It all brings gladness to our heart. Elisha in today's first reading was just one of many examples of people throughout the church's history and throughout uh, the history of the story of salvation where um, people who have embraced their mission from God. Once again, with Elisha, uh, he was a bit of a nobody, right? He was a farmer. He had no particular gifting or skills or influence, but God chose him, chose him to, to love and to serve a particular people in a particular way. Today we heard how God revealed to Elisha, his mission by sending him the prophet Elijah, who has a very similar name, <laughs> right? And I love, the, I love how Elijah does it, so beautifully symbolic. He, he, he goes and he finds Elisha and he throws his cloak over him. Huh? That was his way of saying, hey, 
Elisha, you, you've been chosen. You've been anointed. This is your time. This is what God is calling you to do. It seems to me that often God uses other people to wrap a cloak around us. To encourage us, to help us to, to see where it is that God is leading us. Maybe, maybe there is an Elijah in your life right now. God is sending someone to you to prompt you and say, hey, this is what God might be calling you to. What I really want you to notice in this little uh, exchange with Elijah and Elisha is how Elisha responds to the cloak. Right? It says that he takes his oxen, Right? That was his livelihood. And, and, and he kills them. And then he takes his ploughing equipment, which were his tools for his trade, and he burns them. And he cooks his livelihood, he cooks his oxen uh, using the fire that he used, uh, that he is burning his tools, and then he gives the food to his workers. Now, that might sound a little bit dramatic to us, right? But... Obviously, that was Elisha's way of saying that I don't want anything to get in the way of what God is calling me to do because there can be nothing that's more important. Maybe like Elisha, there is something that you need to let go of so that you can embrace the cloak that God is trying to wrap around you at this time. When I was reflecting on Elisha and, and his cloak, I was once again reminded of my nephews running around in their superhero capes. You know, um, it, it seems to me that when we're young, we have no issue uh, embracing our call to be heroes. Right? It's almost like something within us knows, even when we're young, that we are created for a particular mission, that we're called to make a special contribution. Maybe that's another reason why Jesus says we need to be like children to enter the kingdom, right? Because children have no qualms in, in embracing that mission. But then as we grow older, and especially as we become adults, something happens. We, we take the cape off, don't we? Suddenly, and for some reason, it's no longer acceptable to wear the cape. We lose touch with that uh, conviction that we're called to do something great. Maybe over the years, as we've sort of just faced the, the challenges of life, we've lost confidence that we have anything worthwhile to offer. Or, or maybe we think we're not worthy anymore of being used by God. There's too many failures, too much sin. Who am I to be used by God? Maybe we're afraid of standing out and of being rejected if we do, if we kind of do kind of step up and do something significant. That the tall poppy thing, you know? Or maybe we've become a little bit like the man in the gospel today. You see, he knew that he was being called by Jesus. And he says, uh, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Has anyone ever said that in their prayer to God? Lord, I'll give everything to you. I'm yours. <laughs> no? No one. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> But Jesus could obviously see into his heart, right? And so he says to him in response, 
Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, he knew that even though this man probably had the best of intentions, he was a prisoner to his comfort. He wasn't yet ready to surrender control over to Jesus. He wasn't willing yet to embrace the sacrifice, that the discomfort of putting God's will over his own will. And maybe that's the deeper truth of our heart too, huh? That we say, yes, yes, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord, not just a teacher I follow. I want you to be my, my Lord. I want to surrender my life to you, except when it's hard <laughs> or it's inconvenient or it means I have to suffer or face my fears. Except those times, I'm yours, right? <laughs> it reminds me of the rich man. He comes to Jesus. Remember that story? He goes, Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, um, well, follow the principles, follow the commandments, right? And he goes, oh, I've done that. And then Jesus says, well, there's one more thing. If you really want to be perfect, if you really want to come alive, you need to sell everything you've got and come and follow me, Right? Let go of controlling your life and, and allow me to lead you instead. And as you probably know, he couldn't do it. He walked away sad. When God wraps a cloak around us, it is rarely comfortable. It's usually a few sizes too big, right? We, we, we need to grow into it. And, and the growing can be hard. The growing, the growing can be a little bit painful. There is undoubtedly something radical about following Jesus. It, it requires great trust. It, it calls for a letting go, for a dying to our own plans. But certainly what I'm learning in my own life and what we see so clearly in the lives of the saints is that embracing our cloak, our particular mission, is the shortest path to union with Christ. Because what we're doing is we're working with what God's doing and what God wants to do. And that just draws us into a deeper relationship with Christ. And that union transforms us and blesses us and blesses others in extraordinary ways, in ways that we could never on our own strength, right? in our own initiative. This is the great paradox of the spiritual life, that surrender and obedience and sacrifice and discomfort and dying is what leads us to true fulfilment and peace. It makes no sense, does it? <laughs> Until you start living it, right? On the other hand, when we try and live our Christianity through the lens of comfort and control, we miss so much of what God wants to do in us and through us. And so I want to finish tonight with a very practical way that we can all grow in trusting God and, and being more open to whatever the cloak is that God wants to wrap around us at this time. I want to talk for a minute about the power of acceptance. And um, what I'm going to say might not sound very spiritual, right? It might not seem like a very religious kind of topic of conversation, but I want to suggest that it can have a profound effect in our relationship with God. If you pay attention to your thoughts on any given day, you will probably notice that there are lots of things that you struggle to accept, right, that you fight against. 
You know when the waiter takes ages at the cafe to come and serve you, or the food, you're just waiting forever? Or you're at the traffic lights and it's just like the line is so long and you find yourself going, oh, hurry up, you know? <laughs> you ever do that? All those dirty dishes that someone always leaves in the sink? Or the parking ticket you see flapping on your windscreen when you're driving? The hair that seems to be getting greyer and greyer every day? That headache that won't leave you alone? That knee that just keeps bothering you? And then, of course, there are the more significant challenges that we struggle to accept. The the loss of a job or the struggle finding a job or finding a home or finding a partner... The fact that you don't have the the size of bank account that you really would like or you don't have the home you would love to have or your superannuation balance has shrunken because of this situation in the world at at the moment or or, or there's a serious illness in the family, the loss of a loved one. There there are so many things in our day-to-day lives that we resist, that, that that we fight against and usually it's because they don't go according to our expectations and our plans, and our desires. Now, from a spiritual perspective, the problem with this is that our resistance and our fighting, it consumes our heart and it it consumes our mind. It takes up so much energy. And even worse, what it can do is just reinforce our ego, that idea that we have control, that we know what's best, that things should go our way. And what happens is we just get lost in our own judgments. When we resist and we fight life, it can be very hard to hear the call of God. Jesus models to us a very different way of facing our challenges and our hurts and our disappointments. And we see uh, just one example of that in the gospel today. they were journeying towards Jerusalem. So he sends some messages to a village on the way and he says, prepare, you know, let them know we're coming. And the town there, Samaritan town, said, look, no, nah, we don't want them because they're going to Jerusalem. And when the disciples heard that, you heard James and John, what they said? Lord, shall we cast down fire on this village? <laughs> Can you hear them fighting, right? Resisting. And what does Jesus say? Let's just move on. Next village. In fact, it says that um, he turned and rebuked them. Can I just, I can just imagine Jesus thinking, oh, idiots, my disciples, you know. <laughs> there they go again, <laughs> fighting and resisting. If Jesus resisted everything that came his way, he would never have ended up there. That's the great symbol of acceptance, huh? Of surrender. Many of you would know... About 18 months ago, uh, I lost my mum. She died a, a few years, a few months after we, we found out that she had cancer. And, um, you know, one of the comments that people would often make uh, afterwards, and, uh, you know, they made it from a, from a good heart, uh, was that, you know, she was too young. She was too young. Ah, oh, too young. And, and I'd entertain that, right? I, I'd, I'd spent some time thinking about that. I thought, well, she was 72, you know, at least another 10 years, God. You know, she enjoy her grandchildren, you know, so much she could have done in retirement. But then I thought to myself, who am I to say how long she should live? 
maybe it wasn't God's plan for her to live to the, the average age span of someone in Australia now in 2022. Maybe that wasn't his plan. I don't know the bigger picture. How can I argue? How can I resist this? As hard as it was, I knew that the only reasonable thing I could do was to accept what was and to grieve her loss and to be grateful for the time that we did have. The only alternative I could see was to become angry and bitter and and just be lost in my grief. See, acceptance doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that we don't learn from our mistakes. It doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations or we don't stand up against injustice. But it does mean letting go of the idea that things should always go the way we want them to go. Or we expect them to go. Or we think they should go. When I'm driving through Holmes Glen, that 40 zone, you know, and I see the flash in my rear view mirror, I can get really irate and angry and curse myself and curse the police and curse the government. Or I can just accept it. All right, I made a mistake and learn from it. I won't do it again and let it go. Move on. Reminds me of the wisdom of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Every day, life presents us with lots of opportunities to die to our pride, die to our self-will, and, and just to learn to accept what is. And, and the more that we can do this, the more that we will grow in humility and detachment and surrender and trust all of the qualities that open us up to God's precious call on our lives. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.